At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. Folks, there's plenty to discuss on this episode of the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. So thank you for being with us back from a little vacation. I'm Danny Burke, your host. Had a nice little ski and snowboarding trip up in Wisconsin with some friends, but still managed to make some time to watch the NBA All Star game. Did you carve out some time? This past weekend to watch these NBA stars compete. I don't think you really call them stars for the dunk contest. Hopefully you found better plans on your Saturday evening. But don't worry. I got ways that we can fix this slam dunk competition. We'll talk about that. We'll recap Levine and DeRozan's performance. Io DeSumo in the Rising Stars Challenge. Updated Bulls win totals. Their odds to win the Central Division. And is Aaron Rodgers finally making his decision to depart from the Green Bay Packers or stay, but we got to speak it into existence as Bears fans, folks. So that's why I got to put it that way. But again, I'm Danny Burke, your host at Danny Burke Five, where you could follow me on Twitter. Uh, sorry, again, apologies for not having a show to begin your week on Monday, but we're going to do a little recap of All-Star Weekend here to make up for it. Won't go too crazy because I'm sure you're like, why are we still talking about it? But I did want to look at what these Bulls players did, beginning with the Rising Stars Challenge and Io DeSumo. Now, it was fun to see him among the other competition in his age group. Rightfully so, much deserved. What wasn't awesome was to see him jam his thumb. I don't know the severity of it. Hopefully he's okay. It seems like he'll be fine, I would assume. But he did end up with five points, two assists, and a steal. Despite his team getting eliminated immediately, it was awesome to see him showcase his talent among his peers. So good for Io DeSumo. Good for the Bulls. Getting some representation out there more so and more so as we get on through building this roster. And with that being said, during the All-Star game itself, you saw DeRozan and Levine get some solid action. Despite Levine having his minutes limited, at 11, he still racked up 12 points, 5 of 7 from the floor, 2 of 4 from beyond the arc, 3 rebounds, and 3 assists. Awesome. You're probably holding your breath when you did that 360 slam like, dude, please take it easy, stick the landing, and he did. But as Bulls fans, we are excited not only to get him back, but we are very excited to see him showcase his talents during the All-Star game. It's same with DeRozan, representing Chicago, baby. Who'd have thunk it? This time last year, I would be muttering those words. 27 minutes, he logged. 4 of 8 from the floor. 2 of 2 from the charity stripe. So he knocked down 10 points, 5 assists, and 4 rebounds. 
And the whole world got a little bit of dose of DeMar DeRozan in that fourth quarter closer role. Hitting that shot before LeBron got the game-winning shot. A little bit of shake and bake in the post. Knocked it down, looking smooth as ever. And I'm like, all right, folks, you're getting a little sample of what us Bulls fans have had the pleasure to watch on a consistent basis this season. By the way, MVP, MVP. That was the best part. I mean, right? We talked about this in his candidacy for MVP saying, all right, if he breaks this record, keeps padding the stats, heading into All-Star Weekend, and he showcases his talents a little bit, these big names will start talking about it. And I couldn't remember who said it on the broadcast, if it was Reggie Miller or something, but I think someone had DeRozan as number three on their MVP list. Again, you could still get him at about 20 to 1. But the All-Star game itself, I kind of think, not only this season, but a couple seasons past, is the most exciting part of the weekend. Now, I get it's kind of just, you know, a crap show, for lack of a better word, for the first three quarters, but then there is incentive in the fourth, and you get a little bit more competition. You see the top stars at the fullest heights really competing to get not only the dub, but to try to get the MVP. You see who those tryhards are at the end. Steph Curry, incredible performance. Taking half-court shots, looking the other way, and knocking it down. Those are type of things you don't see on a regular basis in an NBA game. You sometimes do from Curry, but not voluntarily from half court. So that was amazing. The dude is insane. That was so fun and made up for how bad the dunk contest was. And again, we'll talk about how we can fix it. Three point was fine. I watched like a second of it after Patty Mills was all disappointing as hell. Levine didn't really watch him, was busy, but I know he didn't have the best performance. And how about the long shot? The big man, Carl Anthony Towns coming through. I think it was like 12 to 1 at Bet Rivers. Showing all these guards how to shoot. Yikes. Come on, other people. Figure it out. But good on you, Carl Anthony Towns, representing for the big guys. Uh, aside from that, again, we saw Io. Hopefully he's all right. Cool to see him in that competition. I like that format, too. And that's why I think with this dunk contest, after all the disappointing grievances people have been airing out, Adam Silver's a commissioner who's quick to alter things to make it for the better. He's probably the best commissioner out there, right? I mean, definitely better than Manfred. I think that would be a consensus agreement. And uh, pretty much with every other sport, I mean, and eh, nothing too great. But Silver does a lot to change the sport as quickly as possible. That's the thing. I mean, take, for example, like college football with the playoff committee. And what's the latest news? That they're still going to keep it at four? Like, clearly... Everybody, a majority of the people want this changed. You need to do something different to make it better. And I get there's going to be people bitching and moaning left and right regardless. But with Adam Silver, for example, you know, there's criticism a lot of the lack of energy and I guess motivation as the games go on. So how do you incentivize that? Well, you got to incentivize it by doing a playing game to where these seven and eight seeds, nobody's safe. A little bit of a tournament style. That was awesome. And I love that idea. I thought it was great. Doing this format for the Rising Stars Challenge with like four, six, whatever different teams there were. That was cool. Making the All-Star game the way it is. I, I don't think it was bad. I don't think it was great. Because you only get one quarter that's highlighted. But if you could get one quarter that's highlighted as opposed to four that are kind of just lackadaisical. Then yeah, that's not bad. And adding to the charities. Great idea. Fun thing to do. But the dunk contest, what can we do there? How can you fix this competition? Because clearly people are not content. I don't. I haven't gone out of my way to watch it in years, truthfully. What, 2016 was the last time it was solid with Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine? They made a name for themselves after that. 
competition. You're getting no-name guys. I mean, Obi Toppin, yeah, you know who he is. But aside from that, and even with Obi Toppin, the people who don't follow the NBA who are casuals be like, oh, All-Star Weekend? I want to see people high-flying, dunks, cool stuff. They're not going to know any of these names. They'll know a LeBron James. They'll know a John Morant more than likely. People don't really know who uh, Jalen Green is. They don't know who Obi Toppin is that much. You know Obi because he was a dominant college player and he competed, what, maybe won the dunk. I can't even remember who won the dunk contest last year. But everybody was just like, what are we doing? So I hope you did not carve out time on your Saturday evening to sit and be disappointed watching that competition. Three-point was decent from what I hear. But the dunk contest, I watched the highlights. That's why I do. I'm like, I'm not going to waste my time watching these guys do the same dunks every single year when I could just YouTube it after and get the synopsis or get the spark notes, whatever you want to call it, after the matter. And that was fine with me, especially after everybody was complaining about it. I was like, yep, great thing I didn't waste my time with it, and you shouldn't either. You shouldn't at least in, in, until they can change it. And again, I think Adam Silver will actually do something about that after this year. But here are some ideas of how we can make the dunk contest better. I kind of grouped some collectively from articles and what people were saying on videos. But one way you can do it is to separate the dunk contest into categories. You can maybe do a windmill category and make it as unique as possible, implementing a windmill in some sort of fashion. You can do an off the backboard category. You can do a between the legs category. You can do a jump from the free throw line category. And I get that we have seen those type of dunks before, but I think it'll force them to be even more creative because you're limited in one specific thing. And then it's really more so a competition, right? Because you're clearly going against one specific area and how you can make that as best as possible. It forces you to be more creative if you're limited to just that category for a specific dunk, right? So I think that could be a cool idea. Another one that maybe isn't as realistic but could still add some different perspective, motivation, and set whatever it is, make them do a horse version of it. I don't know. You got to copycat, replicate what another guy does. That one I think is okay. I'd like the categories better than that, but not terrible. Um, another one that you could do, and Stephen A. Smith talked about this, and I know a lot of people have, let amateurs in. There's guys out there making these insane dunk videos out in public parks or your local LA fitness or export, and they're doing just the craziest dunks that are unimaginable. That you would think if anyone was doing it, it would be these high-flying professional NBA players. But that's not the case. These amateurs are having way more exciting dunks, getting more views than probably the dunk competition itself, and blowing our minds. And you know why? Because they have more time to focus on it. They have more incentive trying to get clout on social media, trying to make a name for themselves in that regard. They can really focus on that, and that is their true passion. And I'm not saying these guys aren't passionate about winning the dunk contest, but really, they maybe practice for what? A couple days, three days, every now and then during practice? It's just not, the desire is not there as much. Reggie Miller was begging John Morant to do it. And John's like, ah, we'll see, we'll see. Like, LeBron never doing it is a crime and a tragedy and annoying. Because why wouldn't you want to do it? And ever since then, it's like, yeah, well, if he's not doing it, why do I care? You know what I mean? So how do you get those superstars to do it? Well, you could bring in the amateurs and be like, ah, I'm not going to let this guy show me up. I'm a pro. If this guy does better than, you know, 
or you can make the amateurs their own category too. So you don't make your NBA players too embarrassed, but I think it'd be cool to mix them all together. But realistically, what'll probably happen and has the most viable outcome potentially, you just have to incentivize your players. The Home Run Derby pays a million to the winner. Pete Alonso got more payment from the Home Run Derby than he did on his rookie contract or whatever it was. These guys want to win the Home Run Derby. And it's a completely different animal. I understand that. But the dunk contest should be regarded as the most exciting competition during this weekend. When you go back and watch highlights from All-Star Weekend, when you talk about things that happen in past All-Star games, or All-Star Weekends in general, typically you refer to the slam dunk competition. Michael Jordan, Dominique Wilkins, Clyde Jerks. I mean, those guys doing it was so fun. Vince Carter, even Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon. That was the last awesome dunk competition we saw. And since then, it's been a drop-off because you don't get any big-name guys. The creativity has been lackluster, and you don't have as much incentive to them. So you got to change the format somehow. You got to bring in more talent, whether it's an amateur or a superstar, a bigger-name guy. The amateurs aren't bigger-name, but they could do better dunks which the fans will at least be content with that, carving time out of their Saturday night to at least watch something they haven't seen and guys who are passionate about it and are devoting a lot of time to it. That's the difference. And that's what needs to happen. And I believe Adam Silver can make that happen. So that's what I would look to do to fix a dunk contest. You have to do something. And again, if there's a commissioner who's going to do it and do it quickly, it's going to be Adam Silver. I trust him. I think something will change. All right, speaking of change, what about adjusted win totals for the Chicago Bulls team? This is what we can look forward to betting at this point in the season, and they'll still get updated pretty frequently, but is now the time to jump in on it? Are you going to get the best number you can as of this moment? Remember, the Bulls' current record, 38-21. and 21. Their preseason win total was as low as 41 in the hook. We took that, I think, during that preseason game against the Cavs, when I was like, oh, this thing looks good. And they were like, all right, it's the Cavs who turned out to be pretty good. But we're also like, it's preseason. But I think I bet it like halftime at minus 143 or minus 134 over 41 in the hook. And then the next day it went to like 43 and a half. Still thought it was a solid bet. So the Bulls current record is 38 and 21. They have 23 games remaining on their schedule. Where would you put their adjusted win total at? Kind of give you a couple seconds to think about it. Remember, 38 and 21, 23 games remaining. They're going to be getting healthier, hopefully. Tough stretch of a schedule, not going to lie. The home and road splits aren't pleasant. But if this team can get the rhythm going, they're going to be fierce. All right. With 23 games remaining, current record at 38 and 21. This Bulls adjusted win total, pretty much consensus-wise, is 49 and a half minus 110 each way. So can the Bulls get 12 more wins there? You think the Bulls out of 23 games can at least get 12 more wins? Well, I went through the schedule and I put my record of what I thought they would end up at. Granted, mine's a little bit more generous than not a Bulls fan would have it at realistically. But this is with the notion of them getting healthier, getting Levine back. Hopefully, Io's thumb is okay. Caruso coming back sooner rather than later. Maybe Lonzo coming back, what, at the end of March? And if you could get Patrick Williams some regular season time, 
and he can get help defensively with some experience in Tristan Thompson. No, he's not going to help offensively, but you can limit the dominance of the big men that you will be facing plenty of times in the second half defensively. So let's talk about this because, again, I have him 15-8, and eight, right? So that would put him at about 53 wins. And even if I am being generous with this Bulls team, I still got three games to play with. So that, you would think, would give me enough comfort to go, okay, either mine, I'm just very bullish on the Bulls, which naturally I tend to be this season, or it's just, hey, you're going, maybe you're off, but you have a few games to play with because you're being a little bit too greedy with this Bulls team. But let's go through the schedule. Let's see if we actually can get about 15 wins for the Bulls. Now, I don't remember exactly which ones I had the wins and losses when I was going through it. Yes, I should have marked it down. I'm also not the most intelligent man out there, but we'll go through it in real time right here. All right, beginning in the second stretch of this season. The Bulls kick things off this Thursday with a home game versus Atlanta. Atlanta's a solid team. They've got solid shooters. I think the Bulls can take care of business. I'll give them a dub. So that's one. Then you get Memphis on Saturday. Now the Grizzlies, an up-and-coming team, a lot of studs, took care of the uh, took care of business against the Bulls on MLK Day. But the Bulls had a very depleted roster. I think it was pretty much just DeRozan and Desumu out there. Vooch was probably playing too. But again, if you got Levine and in a bounce-back spot at home with fresher legs, having only played one game from the All-Star break, I'll give the edge to the Bulls there. I will. Got to have pride in your home team or in your home spots. Guys, remember too, I mean, this Bulls team clearly knows they haven't had success against the fierce competition. That's been the narrative right now. Yeah, you can beat up on the lower teams, but you haven't won any games against the Sixers. You haven't won any games against the Heat. You lost to the Bucks, so you got to start beating these top teams. You can use the excuse of not being healthy, but not if you get your guys coming back here. So Memphis, you got to win that game. I'll give them two wins. Speaking of the Heat, though, they've struggled with them. The Bulls have struggled relatively more so on the road. You're at Miami next on Monday, February 28th. I'll chuck that up as a loss. You get two days off. Then you go to ATL to play the Hawks again. The Bulls, again, they're the better team here, but just because you played Atlanta, I'll be just a little bit more objective and chuck that up as a loss, too. And what's tough about that game and what kind of stinks is then you get a second leg of a back-to-back. -back. So on that next Friday, you get the Bucks at home, which is going to be an awesome game because that's going to be the game after the Grayson Allen Caruso dirty hit debacle. So the Bulls will have a lot of incentive, not only from that, the UC will be rowdy and just playing the Bucks in general, and you almost beat them when you had nobody on the road in that first game. I give the Bulls a win there. That's kind of a narrative-driven game the Bulls should win. Then on Monday, you get two days off, but you're on the road against Philly. You can't beat Philly. It's tough. I want them to. They need to. I just don't think it's going to happen. So right now, you're at three wins. Wednesday, March 9th, you're on the road against Detroit. After that Philly game, you get a day off in between. The Bulls will beat the Pistons. Four wins. Then you get Thursday and Friday off. You come back to the UC and you get the Cavs. Solid team, but at home, Bulls a better team. Five wins. Then you get Sunday off. On Monday, you're on the road against Sacramento. You're better than the Kings, even though Sabonis owns the Bulls. We'll bet his player props over, probably. I'll give the Bulls the benefit of the, of the doubt. Six wins. Then you get a day off on the road at Utah. Loss. Tough environment. They can't be tough teams on the road. 
Friday, March 18th at Phoenix. Loss. Just don't have that much confidence there. You get Saturday and Sunday off. You come home on Monday. You get Toronto. I'll give the Bulls a dub there. Seven wins. Tuesday, second leg of a back-to-back. They're screwing you with these back-to-backs against Milwaukee because you're on the road against the Bucks. Bucks will win that game, I'm sure. That's a loss. Then Thursday, on the road against the Pelicans. You're better than the Pelicans. Give a dub to the Bulls. Eight. Uh, Saturday at Cleveland. Cleveland's bound to win one, and if it's going to happen, it'll be in Cleveland, so loss. But then Monday, you get Sunday off. Then you go to the Garden where everybody wants to play a little bit better. Knicks are kind of in shambles right now. And what, you took care of business against New York earlier this season, right? Uh, Let's see. Yeah, you beat New York 109-103. You lost to them 104-103 at the beginning of the season. That game was just still trying to figure out what kind of identity the Bulls had. And you beat them another time on the road, 119-115. So it's been a close game every time, but I'll give the slight edge to the Bulls there. So I think I already counted that one at eight. I hope so. (laughs) Regardless, if it's 15-14, close enough. Um Tuesday, March 29th, so second leg of a back-to-back. Not ideal, but you're playing Washington, an injury-riddled team with, you know, at least Bradley Beal, bad defensive team. Going to be a high-scoring game, but I'll give the edge to the Bulls nine wins. Then you get a day off, you come home versus the Clippers. Speaking of injury-riddled, no Kawhi, no Paul George, presumably. Maybe you get PG back, but at home against the Clippers, Bulls will show out. I'll give you 10 wins there. Saturday, April 2nd. This is where it gets interesting. You're playing the Heat. The final time you're playing the Heat. Assuming you have not beaten the Heat at any point this season. Now it's in the final month and you get them at home. After a day off, can you take care of business? I think so. I'll give them 11. Tuesday, April 5th. Finally, two days off in between. You get the box. Good Lord. At home, 12. Bulls will beat them. But then the next day, he gets the second leg of a back-to-back versus Boston. i still not that high on Boston. We'll see if they continue this hot streak. But I like giving the Bulls the benefit of the doubt, 13. Then Friday, you get Charlotte at home, 14. You can beat the Hornets at home. We know that. Last game at Minnesota. I'll give the edge to Minnesota. So I got the Bulls about 14. You know, maybe I miscounted or missed one and counted differently the first time. So I got the Bulls at about 14 wins going through it there, unless I miscalculated, which is a real possibility. Obviously, if you're listening, you're probably screaming like, yeah, idiot. But again, even if it's 14, even if it's 15, I'm still getting about two to three more wins in the adjusted win total. Meaning I have about two to three games where I can have a comfort zone of, okay, I'm off. The Bulls can afford to lose those. And at this point in the season, with that many games left, with that high of a win total, That's an advantage play in my mind. So I would look at this and go, yeah, I would bet the Bulls adjusted win total over 49 and a half. Because maybe they get off to a hot start here. And it's not an easy start, that's for sure. I mean, getting Atlanta, Memphis, Miami, Atlanta, Milwaukee, Philadelphia. Like, that's a very brutal six-game stretch, folks. So there there may be a chance to where you get a better number for the adjusted win total. And you could disagree and go, Danny, I don't think they're going to get off to that hot start. Maybe I can get a 48 and a half. Maybe I could get a 47 and a half and I'll wait to jump in then. I don't disagree with you. I don't hate it. But the thing that would just hold me off on that in a sense is some of these, sometimes these books just don't put up these numbers consistently and they'll hold it off for a while because they don't want to be held liable if they're like, ah, I don't really know about this number or what's going to happen. So it's not going to consistently always be up there, especially the closer you get to the end of this season. So that's why it might be more 
viable to bet it now. I'm not saying it's going to be non-existent after their first game. It'll be up there still. But if they do get on that hot streak, then, well, I don't really want to bet this at 50 and the hook or over. And there is a book that has 50 in the hook, and it's shaded to the over with the juice. So that's why I'm thinking 49 and a half. They can get these first two wins. I don't know if it's going to get below that. So I would bet over 49 and a half now, sooner rather than later. But maybe you're curious still about the odds to win the Central Division. And we talked about this last week. Now, the Bucks were like minus 167 when I discussed this on Rush Hour. The Bulls were about plus 230. And I'm like, all right, you know, I'm going to talk about this on the CityCast. This is fascinating because I talked about on Rush Hour. The Bucks had a game that night before the All-Star break. And they lost to the Sixers, right? So I'm like, all right, well, if they lose, you know, how dramatic is it actually going to alter these odds? And then, and it's funny, I'm sorry, I'm trying to find this number still. And I just don't think I was able to find it because I know I talked about it. Um... So I apologize for not being able to find it. Regardless, the speculation of where it was around, then it moved to like the Bucks being even money and the Bulls were like plus 160. So then when we discussed it, I was pretty much saying, okay, cool, they're getting some respect, but I wouldn't bet unless you're getting $2 or better. Because right now, with no games happening in between, it altered. So instead of the Bucks, well, the Bucks were even money. They've still been there. But then the Bulls now, instead of about plus 160, Bulls are now back up to 2-1. to one. Cavs are at plus 250. Remember, the Bulls a couple, two and a half, what? Yeah, two and a half games in, in front of Milwaukee. And I said, I wouldn't bet unless you're getting 2-1 to one odds in your favor or better. But I'm not saying we should bet it right now. Because again, the Bucks could get... So here's what I'm trying to say, basically. I think I would rather bet the Bulls adjusted win total over 49.5 than I would their odds to win the Central Division. The Bulls control their own destiny a little bit more so with the adjusted win total than the odds to win the Central. Now, obviously, if the Bulls won out, yes, they would win the Central, despite what Milwaukee does because of the lead, because of the advantage the Bulls have. But if you're betting the odds to win the Central and the Bulls drop a couple games and Milwaukee just keeps winning and winning and winning, then obviously you would lose that bet, right? If that's the case. But the Bulls could still win enough to get over their win total and still lose to Central, basically, is what I'm saying. Because the Bucks could go on a hot streak here. You could lose all your remaining games to Milwaukee, but say you beat a lot of other teams and get over your win total, but then the Bucks could still end up better than you. But that's why the value is a little bit better on the odds to win the Central because of that, naturally. But again, I think I would still favor the Bulls' adjusted win total over 49.5. I have them getting over that by two, three games, right? I don't necessarily have the Bulls beating the Bucks by two, three games and winning the Central. That would be more of a bet, like we discussed, based on the value, which at 2-1, to one, solid, not bad at all, especially with the Bulls getting reinforcements and maybe the Bucks not caring as much to get that high seed as the Bulls. I mean, Giannis goes out every game, but you get what I'm saying. But if you got me like Bulls plus 250 and they still had like a couple game lead a little bit further down the road, Yes, then I think we actually should take that. But I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if they're going to get you as high as plus 250 anymore. Maybe plus 230 again. But in that case, well, then presumably the Bulls will be losing. But more so, what will be fascinating is if it alters even more so based on the next time they play Milwaukee when they do their head-to-head -head matchups. 
And the Bulls are getting tough matchups against them with those second leg of a back-to-back. So, I don't know. I Again, I would probably wait to see if you could get plus 230 at least. But more realistically, if you could get like plus 250, got to take it based on that value. But if you want something now, I think the better selection would be to do the Bulls over 49.5 wins. They're getting healthier. It's going to be a tough stretch, no doubt about it. But this is the time where they gear up and go, all right, it's go time. You had your break. We're getting our reinforcements, hopefully, sooner rather than later. The narrative has been we can't beat these tough teams that we're going to inevitably inevitably have to face in the postseason. But let's say screw them and go out there and beat them now. There's no excuse not to. If you got DeRozan, Vooch, and Levine, and Kobe doing enough off the bench... You can't make as much of an excuse as you could before. But, of course, you can say Caruso's out, Lonzo Ball's out, Patrick Williams. I get it, but you've played with this roster long enough and you've maintained the number one seed long enough to where you can't really hold that accountable as an excuse. Not at this point in the season. And especially when Caruso comes back and hopefully when Lonzo comes back sooner rather than later. Patrick Williams, we're just hoping that he can at least get some reps. Hopefully Tristan Thompson can hold it down defensively in the meantime. You want and need Caruso and Lonzo back. And maybe people aren't thinking that that's going to happen sooner rather than later or that there are going to be some hiccups along the way, which there will be. But knowing what we've seen with this team when they're healthy, who's to say they can't get 12 more wins? They absolutely can. So that's why I'm going to be looking to take the Bulls over their adjusted win total of 49 and a half. And you should strongly consider it too. All right. Speaking of considerations, what is Aaron Rodgers considering for this upcoming football season? Is he going to remain a Packer? Is he going to retire? Is he going to go to another team? Well, he had a cryptic Instagram post, which we'll discuss. And he had some comments about it on the Pat McAfee show. We'll let you know what that is and the impact for the NFC North and the Bears just based on the decision of one man. Coming up next, right here, it is the Chicago CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to experience rush pay. When you want to cash out your winnings, you don't want to wait two days just to get the go-ahead to withdraw your money. That's why Bet Rivers created Rush Pay. With Rush Pay, 80% of withdrawal requests are approved instantly, meaning you'll get your money faster. Why wait? Get your cash when you want it. Bet with a winner. Bet with Bet Rivers Sportsbook at BetRivers.com. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide volunteer self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. 1-800-426-2537. All right, what is our arch nemesis Aaron Rodgers going to be doing this upcoming season? And we say that as Bears fans. A lot of excitement about him potentially not returning in the green and gold. But it doesn't seem like that's going to be decided just yet. So basically what this started out as, this Instagram post he had was like a ton of pictures and a long caption. Thanking a lot of people, teammates, coaches, trainers, I mean, friends, everybody. And then people, you know, they're getting their investigation goggles on, right? They're they're ready to go and, and dissolve this whole debacle of this Instagram. It's not a debacle, but I, I don't know. This whole debacle of his decision, right? Year after year. I'm not going to make it long, he said. Well, when you're doing stuff like this, come on. When does Aaron Rodgers ever cause a scene? Never. So aside from him just kind of sounding like he was doing a farewell, what people were deciphering was the last picture 
was a picture of Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb. Nobody in between them. And that's significant because during the National Anthem, Aaron Rodgers always stands between Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb. So with that being the final picture, with him not in between them, is that saying, I leave you guys now. It is empty. I am departing from the Packers. That's everybody's speculation, right? Well, what was really exciting is because he always does this hit with Pat McAfee. But I guess, what, is it usually on Tuesdays or Monday? I guess maybe it's usually on Tuesdays. So as I'm recording this, obviously it's Tuesday afternoon, and he did talk about it. And what he said was, there will be no decision on my future, as in today. He's just getting his head above the sand now. And furthermore, adding to that, he told Pat McAfee that he came out of a 12-day cleanse, and his first thought was intense gratitude for everyone in his life. Now he just called off his engagement with his fiance, and I don't know, he always maybe just going on another Hawaii trip or something in this offseason and being very spiritual. So yes, uh, of course there was a chance it was just being grateful and expressing his gratitude for all the important people in his life. But everybody wants to play detective, and us Bears fans want something to change naturally along with everybody else in the NFC North. But it doesn't seem like that will be definitive right now. What do you think is going to happen, though? There still could be some validity to that post, just maybe not apparent right now. And the thing that makes me kind of angry, not that he's dragging it out per se. I mean, let the man decide. It's a huge decision. But the thing that's like making me go, just shut up is people over Twitter who are being so definitive in their assessment. Like, oh, you actually thought he was going to retire? Oh, you actually think he's going to leave Green Bay? Grow up. Like, what? What do you know? You're not best friends with the guy. Have you seen how sporadic his thought process is? He just called off his engagement. He's done a lot of things that are questionable as a lot of people would debate. And you're telling me you know for sure he's returning to the Packers or going to retire or not going to retire? You know, you've seen it all, right? What I think is going to happen, and maybe it's me trying to be a little bit optimistic, him getting out of the Midwest. I think what makes most sense based on the cap situation, based on where he wants to be more content, would be leaving Green Bay. And I say that in the sense of weapons. People he can trust. The Broncos are a viable fit. You have Hackett. You've got some good receivers out there. Jerry Judy, uh, Sutton, and some other guys. And you've got a really solid defense. You know he likes Hackett. And the Broncos are going to go all out to get him. I don't know what Devontae Adams' situation is going to be, but maybe. I don't know if they have enough to swing him. But the thing is... With the, I mean, and you've seen other quarterbacks. I mean, Tom Brady did it. it. It happens now at the end of careers. Peyton Manning did it. It's happening with these quarterbacks. And it seems like it would be the time for Aaron Rodgers to do it. But would it be wise for him to go to the AFC? No, not necessarily. When you have Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. I You got everybody there, it seems. You've, you've got a really tough bracket to go through. But in the NFC, it's wide open, so it makes sense why you'd stay there in Green Bay. But again, maybe because of the cap situation and what could be a rebuild, which he said he doesn't want to be a part of, maybe you consider a team like the 49ers. 
Kyle Shanahan, boy genius. I mean, I know McVay's kind of like that, but he's the best schemer. Shanahan is. And those other coaches will admit it. 49ers, team, what, he grew up loving, watching? I mean, I know Tom Brady did too. But I assume Rodgers was a 49 I know he's from California. Wants to be the Hollywood guy. Wants some weapons. Debo Samuel, Kittle. A coach who will, again, help him out a lot. A defense that will be solid. In a division that, NFC-wise, yes, is very tough. But conference-wise, not as hard as the AFC. So I think if he's staying in the NFC, he should go to the 49. I would try to do that for a year, maybe two. Trey Lance, let him back up Aaron Rodgers like Aaron Rodgers did to Brett Favre and hope that that could be somewhat a replication of that. That would be ideal for the 49ers. What are people are saying? The Steelers, the Saints, eh, not with Sean Payton not there. Mike Tomlin, yeah, they look like they had a connection, but do the Steelers have enough? If you go to the AFC, is that the team that you want to be with in the AFC? I don't know. And I'm not saying he's not going to stay with the Packers. I think it makes a lot of sense to do that too because of the familiarity, the comfort, the control. But they made everything, him and Devontae, the last dance heading into this past season. And no, it didn't end the way they wanted it to, so maybe they want to run it back. But man, the Packers are going to be in a tough spot too. Trying to bring back everybody. And I get it. You do what you can to win now. Look at the Rams. Point A. But you couldn't even get past the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'm not saying that's a reason to not run it back. But what's going to be different now, especially if maybe the NFC gets tougher. I mean, Tom Brady left, so maybe it gets easier. But maybe the Bears get a little bit better. Maybe the Lions who knows, gets a little bit more competitive. Maybe this is finally the year with a new coach that the Vikings and Kirk Cousins can do something. I don't know, man. But the thing is, I'm just sick of people going, no, he's for sure staying. How do you know? You don't know what's going through his mind. He doesn't even know what's going through his mind, folks. I'm joking. But my you for sure know what Rodgers is going to do. You have a hope of what you want him to do. Us Bears fans absolutely have tons of hopes what we want him to do. But as objective football observers, you can't definitively say he is going to do one or, or the other. He just said it. He came out of a 12-day cleanse. He's not talking to you. You don't know anything. So save kind of the, I don't know, high and mighty speaking of you think you're close to him or people who are close to him because we just don't know. So save that, please. And we'll wait to see what he does. Again, I'm not saying he's not going to be a Packer. I'm not saying he's going to be a 49er or he's going to retire. I don't know. And nobody really does. And that's okay. But the people who are out there saying he's not doing that. You really thought he was going to do there, there, that. Grow up. Because if you end up being wrong, you're going to make excuses to why you said that. You're going to be like, well, I was told or well, when he did that, this, this, and that. So why don't you save yourself the embarrassment if it doesn't go your way and just not be so definitive and certain about it. Okay. Anything can change. We know that for sure. We've seen quarterbacks do unexpected things. We've seen players in general do unexpected things. Aaron Rodgers tends to be a volatile human being, a very hard guy to read. And that's okay. That's his prerogative. Fine. But don't 
let it affect how you decide what the outcome should be or what you want it to be or believe it's going to be. It's okay to talk about and speculate, but I'm not telling you that he's for sure going to the 49ers. I just think logically that could make the most sense or even the Broncos, which is one of the short shot teams, odds wise. But who knows? We got excited for a second as Bears fans, right? Cryptic Instagram message going on the McAfee show where you think he would announce it, honestly, if it wasn't himself because he doesn't trust the other media. But it didn't happen. I'm thinking it'll happen soon, though. He had his gratitude. He'll probably take this next week to reflect, and maybe he goes back on the show next week and makes his ultimate decision for his football career. And then we'll be excited one way or the other. No, we won't. Not if he stays in the NFC North. But he'll just give Justin Fields some competition to live up to, baby. All right. That's going to wrap it up for another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Folks, as always, feel free to follow me on Twitter at DannyBurke5 and catch my show Rush Hour Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. Available at VSIN.com, the VSIN app, Fubo TV, Sling TV, YouTube TV, iHeartRadio. And the Marquee Sports Network. First half hours are usually on there. So check us out, folks. Take care. Best of luck with all your plays. And let's hope we get some good news surrounding the NFC <laughs> North soon. And then we got a second half of the bowl season to look forward to. Get ready, folks. Going to be a ton of fun. And we'll have all the coverage right here on the Chicago City Cast. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.